0: Welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neal. I hope you're all doing well. I'm actually sitting on my bedroom floor in Belfast right now, looking out the window at the gorgeous blue sky and it's 8pm. It's 8pm and the sun is shining. Oh, this actually just gives me serotonin. I've intentionally, normally I actually sit facing the opposite way when I record my podcast in this bedroom. Actually, that's a lie. But (laughs) today I very intentionally set myself looking out the window and it's giving me a lot of joy. I hope you all had a lovely Easter full of lots of love and chocolate. Obviously, Easter is just a chocolate holiday. I want to eat a big bar of it every night. But my skin wants other things for me. I don't know if I've talked. Oh, maybe I have. I did a full episode on my acne once a while ago. That was a long time ago, actually. Anyway. My skin, right, I have very much come to terms with the fact that I do not have perfect skin and I will never have perfect skin and that is fine with me as long as I can learn how to manage it and, not it and it not be really bad and really sore because when it's sore and just like really irritated, it just means even when you've got makeup on, you still feel it, do you know what I mean? So yeah, anyway, as long as I can manage it, that's fine. Now, for some weird reason, my skin is particularly sensitive to what I eat. I know lots of people don't actually even believe this. Like, some doctors still don't believe that what you eat impacts your skin, which I think is crazy because your skin's like the biggest organ in your body and a lot of the times our bodies do get rid of toxins and everything via our skin because it's a kind of direct entry to the outside world. Okay, that's actually the least scientific way of explaining it. So maybe just completely negate what I just said but (laughs) I will say that 100% what you eat does affect your skin but I think this is obviously to different levels like it's to different degrees depending on the person and for me it's really really bad like if I eat a bar of chocolate I'll see it on my skin the next day and sometimes I forget this and I'll eat a whole bar of chocolate and I'll be loving my life and then I wake up the next day and I'm like for fuck sake, why did I do that to myself? Like, it's completely self-inflicted, but it's so hard to resist sometimes. And you see, I went through a period of my life, I'm going to say it's when I probably first went vegan, you know? I went through that period when I first went vegan of barely eating any sweet things and any processed foods. And that was because at the time there was no... There wasn't the vegan alternatives that there is today. You couldn't go into a supermarket and buy all these like fake meats, fake cheeses, vegan chocolates, vegan biscuits. Like you couldn't get all that stuff. So me going vegan then meant cutting all of that out and eating a very kind of traditional vegan like whole foods diet. There was the odd thing. There was like Linda McCartney sausages and oh, I'm trying to think what else, but I really don't know. There was tofu, obviously. Tofu's always been about... There wasn't, honestly, there wasn't a single vegan cheese in sight and if there was, it was stinking because I didn't eat cheese for so long, which is now probably why I like vegan cheese because I think everyone is like, no, vegan cheese tastes like feet. But I'm like, babes, I didn't have cheese for a few years, so this is what cheese is to me now. Anyway, when I first went vegan, my skin cleared up a lot and I think that was mostly because of, first of all, the dairy because I noticed a huge correlation with my dairy intake and my skin at the time. But then I also think the whole sugar thing had a play in it too. Just the fact that I literally couldn't have vegan... There wasn't vegan chocolate. There wasn't vegan desserts. There wasn't... I would like make some, you know, little vegan banana breads and stuff. But they weren't particularly high in sugar and stuff. So basically by default I was eating this whole foods diet. And it was the best thing for my skin. But then now obviously you can get really good vegan chocolate. Which is a blessing and a curse. And sometimes I fall into really bad habits. Like the other week there when I went back to Leeds... And I was so not arsed with cooking. Sometimes I just think when you're focusing on things, like when you're focusing on a lot of things, there's always going to be one thing that falls. Do you know what I mean? And in this case, it was cooking. I was just, it was in the complete back of my mind. I didn't want to go grocery shopping. I didn't want to spend any time in my kitchen cooking. I just could not be bothered. As a result of that, I was falling into really unhealthy eating patterns and I don't mean unhealthy as in like um as in not eating enough or eating too much or anything like that I mean like I was living off of soup and chocolate and that was it because I didn't have to cook those things oh and oats I would always have my porridge so I guess you know one healthy meal in the morning (laughs) not that soup isn't healthy but I feel like cans of soup like it's just full of sugar then I was eating chocolate as well like I was actually going to bed every night with a bar of chocolate to fill me up because I didn't want to make a proper dinner. That is so bad to say. I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm not encouraging that. I'm not encouraging that behaviour whatsoever. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with going to bed with a bar of chocolate every night, but like, I was treating it like it was my dinner. And I don't think that's, there's not really much nutritional value in a bar of chocolate. Oh, and by the way, I'm talking like a big chocolate bar, not just like a small one you get with a meal deal. I'm talking like a big sharing chocolate bar, just to clear that up. So obviously very quickly I start seeing this in my skin and then I'm like oh yeah this is why I can't do that I forgot. (laughs) I think I just hadn't done it in a while and I was like right okay need to get a handle on this so stopped eating it then as in stopped eating the chocolate and tried to cut down on my sugar intake and started (laughs) cooking a little bit more healthy and then I came home for Easter and. Lots of brands had very kindly sent me a lot of chocolate for Easter, which I'm very grateful for, but I'm not one of those people that can have chocolate in the house. Like chocolate doesn't sit in my house. It gets eaten. It do- Like see those people and they can just have like two squares of a bar. No, no, no. If a bag or bar of chocolate gets opened in my presence, it's getting finished in my presence. There's no saving some for the next day There's no saving some for when someone gets home. There's none of that. It's getting eaten there and then, even if I'm stuffed and feel sick. I don't know what it is. I have no self-control when it comes to stuff like that. So obviously I start eating the chocolate Christmas, same thing happens. And it's just not worth it. And I don't want anyone to listen to this and think that I'm demonising eating chocolate because I'm not at all, but it, I'm talking about for me and how much it affects my skin. Like when I say I have been suffering from the last week because of my skin, I have not felt myself. I've had, my skin's been so sore. I've got big under the skin spots. I literally feel horrible every morning I wake up, which is so bad because, you know, I try and practice skin neutrality. And I try every now and then to show like the reality of having problematic skin on my Instagram. But there's sometimes I do not have it in me to keep the positivity, not even positivity, to just be neutral about it. There's sometimes where you're actually just like, fuck this, I've been dealing with this for literally what, like 10 years now, maybe longer. I'm waking up every day feeling and looking not like myself. Literally not wanting to leave the house, like, just being in a bad mood every day, not wanting to talk to anyone, not wanting to even talk to my parents or, like, make eye contact with them because I think my skin's so bad. Like, in what world do I think, why would my parents care? But this is just what I get into my head. Anyway, moral of the story is that my skin hates chocolate and from now on, I'm gonna have to just start giving all my chocolate away next time. time See, this is the thing, before I was actually really good at just not buying chocolate, but now chocolate arrives at my doorstep. So now I need to just give it away. <laughs> I've really not been up to a huge amount since I've been back in Belfast. I took that Easter weekend off, which was really nice. And then what have I done since then? I honestly, when someone told me it was Friday today, I actually nearly shit myself. I was like, surely that hasn't been a whole week now. Did anyone else feel that? Because I, yeah, the fact that a week has passed since I got home for Easter is mental to me. I did get my first draft done of my dissertation, although, I mean, I would celebrate, but it's very, very much a first draft. Like, it needs a lot of work. Well, it, it doesn't need a huge... Okay, no, it does. It needs a lot of work. I need to sit down and spend, like, a day or, like, a half a day on each chapter just working on it and improving it. And then I think we'll be more ready to the final submission. I don't know. It's due for it's due in three weeks, but I want it done in... Oh, I would love it done actually by, I'm going to London next Tuesday and I would love it done by then. So I don't have to worry about it when I'm there, but we'll see because that's actually very soon and who knows if I'll actually do any work over the weekend. I'm going to try and do work over the weekend. I have this mental block when it comes to doing work at the weekend, but as in uni work, I can do, I can do this kind of, I can edit my podcast and stuff at the weekend. That's fine. But when it comes to doing uni work, I'm like, on a Saturday, uni work on a Sunday. No, no, no. But we'll give it a go this weekend. It'd be very nice to not have to do anything when I'm in London. And my mum is running the London Marathon next weekend. So that's how we're all going to London. I spent all of yesterday actually doing a shoot for my uni project. I took one of my friends up to... She said she was off and I was like, okay, can I steal you for the whole day? And she was like, yes, that's fine. Work away. So I was like, let's go on a little road trip up the north coast and we'll shoot in a few different locations. I thought... If I have her for the whole day, we may as well do something like that where I can go to like loads of different places and shoot loads of different outfits uh, in the one one slot, in the one day. So that's what we did. And oh my God, I always forget every time, but like, even when it's nice weather in Belfast, because it was nice today and it was nice yesterday. But even when it's nice here, you go up the north coast and it is Baltic. Like the wind when you're by the north coast of Ireland is just... (laughs) it's in a whole other level and when it rains there it rains it was quite possibly the most bipolar weather day I've seen in a long time and we would get out and start shooting and then next thing would just be like I just felt really bad for her to be honest because she was in all these wee they weren't like really skimpy but they were skimpy outfits for the weather I'll say meanwhile I was in my puffer coat with my camera and I was like sorry (laughs) I think it was really successful. I haven't actually looked back at the photos, but from what I gathered from the photos I was taking at the time, I feel like it was successful. Although now I've said that I'm like scared to look at the images. (laughs) I also realised I didn't properly clean my camera lens after it had rained. Normally scared that I wouldn't have been able to tell but there was like a big watermark in all the photos fingers crossed that's not the case if it is the case we're gonna have to try and edit it in a way where it looks intentional or something I don't know but yeah do you know what I have worked a lot of jobs and nothing tires me out like a full day shooting like that. I don't know why I find it so exhausting. I literally came home and felt like I could sleep for a week. I, I actually slept for like 10 hours last night and I woke up this morning feeling still like not very well rested. I don't know what it is about them. Like it's not even very intensive in terms of what you're actually do In fact, it's not at all. If you compare what I'm actually doing in that compared to like what you're doing in a 10-hour hospitality shift running around the place like a headless chicken... You're doing nothing in comparison, but for some reason it really takes it out of me. I think it's the, I think it's like the brain capacity it takes of like when you're planning everything from how you want it to look, the styling, the images, the taking of the photos, the, I don't know, I just think it like really takes over your brain and then you come back and you're completely zapped of anything that was inside of you. Anyway, my pit and peak of the week. What was my, what was my pit first? My, You know what? My pit is just my skin of this week. I know it's not a single moment, but, oh Jesus, has it been winding me up? Why say winding me up? It's just been really getting me down. I'm not going to lie. It's really not nice when you feel so out of control as well of it. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes if you have a little breakout and you know it's as a result of, maybe a product that you've reacted to and you're able to switch that out but this is like <laughs> well it is controllable because it was due to chocolate toxic. but because I think because it was like a few days in a row of eating a lot of chocolate like I'm still suffering the consequences of that a week later uh so I can't really control it now even though I've uh taken the chocolate out of the diet now But you best believe I'll have to relearn this lesson another time when I decide to eat chocolate again. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, this is why I don't eat chocolate anymore. My peak of this week was coming home and going out to one of my favourite restaurants for dinner. It's just too good. It's called Jumon in Belfast. It is like all vegetarian, Asian fusion food. It's all kind of, well... It's actually not all sharing plates, but we just got all sharing plates because you can do it like that or you can get kind of big mains, but I think their sharing plates are a lot nicer. And to be honest, that's just my favourite way to eat, I think, in any restaurant. I love being able to have, like, loads of different things on my plate at once and just getting a little taste of everything instead of committing to one thing and then maybe it being, you know, not what you expected or a little bit mediocre. I just think it's the best way to eat. It's so good. My recommendation of this week? Oh... My god, it is hands down, Daisy Jones and the Six. Why have I not watched it until now? I'm always so late to jump on board with any series. And it's for a good reason. It's because I get so addicted to series. Like, right, see any of those really long Game of Thrones. What else is like really long I think I've said this before but you know any series that's got like six seasons plus I will never ever watch them because that will actually take over my life for the foreseeable if that's the case because I know there's so many episodes to watch I can only watch like ones that either get really if I'm keeping up to them season by season I can do it that way but most of the time the things I watch will just be little like one-off seasons for example like The Serpent oh my god I was obsessed with that What's another one? Normal people obsessed. And now Daisy Jones and the Six. I would like to rewatch it all. I I think I'm gonna rewatch it all. That next week, actually, I'm not gonna do that to myself. (laughs) I've got too much work to do. The second I finish uni, I'm gonna rewatch all of Daisy Jones and the Six and gonna binge watch it again. I finished it in five days, which isn't that bad. It's ten episodes that I finished in five days, and oh, guys, if you haven't watched it yet, I mean. Everyone listening to this has probably already watched it because I'm late to the game, but it is incredible. The cast is amazing. The music's amazing. The costumes are amazing. The sets are amazing. Everything about it. Also, I read the book this time last year. Well, I read the book in like June last year. I actually read it on the plane home from India and I finished it in the one sitting pretty much. I think, well, maybe it was over two sittings. I can't remember, but I couldn't put it down. It, the book was insane. And you know what? With a lot of books, when you hear they're being made into a screenplay of some sort, into a movie or a series, you always think, you always wonder, Is it? are they going to do it justice? Is it going to live up to the expectation? Like, it was such a good book. How are they going to do this type of thing? You always think that. Or, like, you always think, who are they going to cast as this person? Who are they going to cast as that person? To be honest, though, with Daisy Jones and the Six from like not even getting halfway in i could tell it would make an amazing movie or series and i'm so glad they did it because they've done it so well every character is like spot on if not better i'm obsessed with camilla in it and it's so weird because i don't really remember camilla in the book like i obviously remember i remember her i remember that she was billy's girlfriend but i don't really remember her being much of a there being much of her presence in the book. she To me, she was always like a person on the side while Daisy was the main girl for Billy type of thing. Whereas in the movie, I am obsessed with Camilla and she is like the heart and soul of the whole series. Her energy, her warmth, her love and passion for the band, like she's what keeps them all going through and I'm just completely obsessed with her. And even the fact that she's still... Loves Daisy and everything, even though she can see everything going on with Daisy and Billy. I just love her. She, that actress, is sensational. Also, I didn't actually find out until after that that main girl, Riley Q. Riley? I I don't know how you say her second name. Her name's Riley, anyway. She's the girl that plays Daisy. And that is Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Who knew? Because I didn't. But yeah, I actually couldn't recommend it more like it's so so good if you haven't watched it yet make sure you do it it's on amazon prime also if you're like me where you get really obsessed with like the cast and everything in a series like i will go away now and i will only listen to well i've only been listening to <laughs> daisy jones and the six music and like the soundtrack and i probably once it starts getting a bit warmer i can really see myself starting to wear those clothes and everything but I'm really like consumed by it. And also I'm obsessed with all the cast. So I after I watch a series, I always go away and I like research every single cast member and I see what else they've been in and what interviews they did leading or like after the release of the the show or the movie. I creep all their Instagrams, you know, the whole shebang. And this is a very, very good series to be able to do that for because they've got a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Like Amazon Prime put a lot of work into like all those kind of interviews. They've done a lot of promotional stuff. Also, the girl Riley that plays Daisy, she was doing a lot of behind the scenes things. And also, they actually formed a band. Like, you always think with stuff like that, maybe they just have someone that does the singing or the guitar and shit for them and they're kind of just pretending. But they actually formed the band properly and had like band camp for months leading up to before they started actually filming the series. And you can really tell with their chemistry. And I think when you know that, it just kind of makes the whole thing so much better. Do you know what I mean? Also, in one of the interviews I watched, the interviewer was like, and is there any chance of you guys going on tour as Daisy Jones in the Six? And I was literally jaw to the floor. Imagine. The writers had a hard job having to write the music for that, if you think about it, because they would have had to have created songs that would have sound it like how do I describe this they had to because obviously every artist ever is always trying to create hits aren't they well not necessarily you don't always want like a number one pop hit but like you're always trying to create hits or your version of a hit but obviously that doesn't always work otherwise everyone's song everyone's every song would be a hit and that's obviously not the case some are flops some are just good songs and some are hits but obviously the writers for this, they had to create songs that sound like they 100% would have been hits in the 70s. Otherwise it just would have sounded like a load of shite. Like it just wouldn't have matched up with the storyline and their, them being catapulted into fame and getting all this success from their records if the records weren't good. To be honest, there are some elements of some of the songs that I don't think sound very 70s-ish. Like that have a bit of a more modern take on them. But I think that's kind of expected but yeah, I'm like Daisy Jones' the sixth number one fan now. Like, biggest fangirl ever. <laughs> I'm really trying to get everyone to watch it. My parents still haven't watched it and I keep saying to them every day. And if they start watching it, I'm definitely going to watch it again with them, to be honest. I just know it's going to be one of those ones that you can watch over and over again, like normal people. I've watched that, what, like four times? It's like a, it's a yearly thing. And I reckon that's probably what this will be like too. Although, in a different way. Because I'll watch Daisy Jones and the Six to make me happy, although when I watch normal people I feel like it's a bit of a sign of a depressive era, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Although at the end of Daisy Jones and the Six I was bawling my eyes out. Like, actually bawling my eyes out sitting on my sofa. Right, this week's words of the week is focus on the step in front of you, not the whole staircase. And that's about to become apparent why that is my words of the week. When I get into this week's topic, which to be honest, this week's podcast topic, it's not really a research topic. It's going to be more of me just spilling my thoughts right now. Basically, recently, I feel like I've been having a bit of a self identity crisis. And to be honest, this isn't a rare occurrence for me. I would say this actually happens kind of often, maybe quarterly. A little self identity crisis a quarter. I actually don't know if this is something that everyone feels that often as well. I assume it is. But the thing is, I don't feel like it's something we speak about that often. Do you know what I mean? Like, my parents are hardly just going to be like, oh, I'm just having a bit of a self-identity crisis. They're never really going to say that to me. Even friends, I feel like if something more specific was going on in their life or was bugging them or a more specific issue in terms of, like, with their mental health or something, I think you would talk about things then to your friends. But I feel like because a self-identity crisis or an existential crisis or whatever is such a, I want to say big thing, but also a bit of a vague thing, it's a hard one to talk about as a result of that because sometimes you just sound a bit crazy, I think. Like, there has been times I have said this like I have voiced that I'm having an existential crisis to someone and after I voiced it I've just been like I actually sound insane because a lot of the time what you voice it doesn't really make a lot of sense like you're just kind of being like I don't know who I am and I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know blah 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 blah. like you're just kind of word vomiting and the other person's just a bit like "Uh, (laughs) I don't know what to say to you I don't know. It's not the type of thing where if I woke up in a bad mood as a result of this and went downstairs and my mum was like, what's wrong? I wouldn't be like, oh, just having a self-identity crisis. Do you know what I mean? I just wouldn't want to say it. I'd just be like, nothing. Get on with it. And she'd just know I'm in a bad mood and not know the answer as to why. Is that a problem? I don't know. I don't think you need to speak about absolutely everything. Although... The thing is, right, the thing is with self-identity crisis, crises, crises, is that a lot of it is down to the fact that you have stuff you need to work through, I think. Like, you have things mentally you need to work through. You need to sit with yourself and work this shit out. It's not stuff that can be resolved, there, There is a lot of times in your life where sitting down and talking to someone about your something that's going on is so helpful and feels like a problem halved and feels like it was really beneficial for you to talk about. It. And then there's other times where I think you actually need to do the work yourself. But I think that's a whole other challenge in itself is understanding what work you even have to do yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, where do you even start? What do you do? Like, what do you mean? It just all feels a bit overwhelming. It feels like you are just kind of doggy paddling to stay afloat. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're not going in one direction or the other. You're not thriving and doing front crawl. You're stagnant in the water, paddling out of breath, with your head just above the surface feeling a little bit isolated yeah you're isolated there's no you can't see anyone in the ocean there's no one there wait what the (laughs) fuck what analogy is this I feel like that's quite accurate when I'm picturing myself in a vast ocean with nothing in any direction that's how I feel when I'm having a uh, self-identity crisis I'm like I don't know where to turn I don't know what direction to move in and I don't know if I move in this direction where it's going to take me to I think it's probably a pretty common feeling to have, even though we don't speak about it, even though it's not commonly discussed. I do get the impression that it's probably more common than you think. I mean, I hope I'm not alone in feeling this way from time to time. I think this is also really apparent for me in transitional periods, or not necessarily once it's got to the transitional period, but when you know the transitional period is coming like when you know you're coming to the end of a chapter in your life and in my case i'm gonna get into why i think i'm having this self-identity crisis but in my case i feel like there's a lot of different chapters in my life kind of all ending at the same time actually i'm so full of shit there's literally one maybe two if we can count that i I don't know anyway we're gonna talk about that but yeah i think that the this feeling can happen a lot when you've got that feeling of something coming to an end, something coming to a close with this transitional period leading in to the next chapter which can often feel really scary and daunting and there's a big fear of the unknown and also what's going to come with that and if you're going to be happy in that and if it's going to, I don't know, if it's going to be what you thought it was. There's just a lot of mixed emotions and feelings around those kind of times so yeah first up I think it's really looming on me that I'm finishing uni soon like as much as I'm so so excited to be done with it and to not have deadlines it's also a very scary prospect of not having this day-to-day week-to-week term-to-term purpose like not always working towards these projects and these deadlines and not having these daily scheduled in classes and meetings and one-to-ones and like mini deadlines for yourself to complete this many words or to do this photo shoot and to challenge you creatively in this way or to challenge you academically in that way like as much as I complain I actually do love that I've got that I also do love my course I think it was honestly like the best course I could have ever picked for me I think I got I was very lucky in that Because you can do the course that I do in lots of different unis, but they're all obviously taught differently. And I just think where I do it, it's for me the perfect balance of creative and academic because I think any more creative would have kind of freaked me out a little bit and I would have felt a little bit out of my depth. Like I think, for example, if I had have gone to the Leeds Art Uni and done it there, I think that would have really freaked me out being with a load of like really, really creative artistic people. I would have just felt like, what the fuck am I doing here? It still challenges me creatively, one hundred percent. But it's also a nice balance with the academic side of things. And likewise, if it was too academic and too leaning on that side, and too much essay writing and too much, I don't know, just too much words, basically, (laughs) um, I think I would have hated that, and I think I would have dropped out. And I know, for example, in University of Leeds, because I did at Leeds Beckett, but I know at University of Leeds, it's a Bachelor of Science not a Bachelor of Arts and I think theirs is much more heavily based around marketing and marketing essays and marketing this and marketing that and branding and more theory based and yeah as I said just more academic which is fine and a lot of people want to do that but again I just think for me I got the balance so right. So yeah as much as I complain and as much as I may not be overjoyed about being in Leeds and things... I do love my course, and I do love what the w I do love the research I end up doing because obviously you end up picking a lot of the things that you research, and there are always things I'm really interested in. I do love then the projects I set out to do creatively, like I will really miss styling and directing and photographing the shoots the way I have been for my final major project. It's so fun, I feel so in my element when I'm doing them and when I'm planning them. Although I say I really miss that. Maybe I could start doing stuff like that. I don't know. The thought of like having to pitch myself to do all those things really scares me. I'm really starting to see why people end up doing panic masters, basically. (laughs) Although I don't think I can do that. In fact, no, I'm going to say it right now. I could not do that. I don't have it in me to do the amount of research that you have to do for a masters. Fair fucks to you if you do. But I really can't see myself having the brain capacity to be able to do that (laughs) as well because with the Masters, there's no creative element to it, is there? I swear there isn't. Yeah, it's just purely research, isn't it? There's just something about the comfort of being a student. It's like, there's no pressure to have a full-time job. In fact, they strongly advise you against having a full-time job. There's no pressure to be like moving forward in your career there's just like you're just you're in a different world when you're a student not only from your whole situation in terms of like working but also in terms of responsibilities even your house there's like a different standard as to what you're expected to live like when you're a student even right down to what you wear on a day-to-day basis like no one gives a fuck what you wear on a day-to-day basis as a student I could rock up Every day in a tracksuit if I wanted. Which I do a lot of the time. (laughs) No, I don't. I probably have a good two or three tracksuit days in a week though. I I just think you have to have a few tracksuit days. You know those days where you want to get stuff done but you need to be comfy to be able to do those things. And then there's other days you wake up and choose to slay and that's fine too. But that's so nice that there's the flexibility to do that. You don't have to go into an office and appear a certain way. I used to always say when I was in Australia to enjoy it because I'm never gonna have this feeling of this freedom again in my life like when I was in Australia and all I had to worry about was getting myself to work each day and you know I was working in a bar there was no pressure to perform a certain way there's no pressure to progress in your career there was no pressure to do anything apart from just like chat to people and that's not a pressure when you're working in a bar like that's fun and low-key being a student kind of reminds me of that. Like, okay, yeah, you've got a little bit more responsibilities. You've got to take ownership of your work and you've got to meet deadlines and stuff. But ultimately, all you have to do is get yourself to uni and back. And in fact, you don't even really have to do that if you don't want to. Like, you can you could probably miss every class if you really wanted to, as long as you handed in your assignments. But yeah, there's just something very comforting about the the freedom that comes with being a student that I didn't really think was a thing because I think I thought that when you're in education, you're like, what's the word, like trapped in it kind of. But I guess I've just had a very different experience with it this time around because I've actually enjoyed my course. Whereas I think my view of education, higher education from when I did my little two-month stint in Liverpool was really negative And I thought that you were very much like trapped in uni and uh, yeah. I bet if any medics or nurses are listening to this though, they're like, what? Freedom in uni? Absolutely not. Never heard of her. Do you ever get though when you're a student, right, and you'll maybe just, you wake up on a Thursday and you just decide, you know what? I'm going to have a lazy day today. I'm going to go back to sleep and then wake up at 11. And then when I do wake up at 11, I'm going to stay in bed and read my book. And then I'll maybe think about going to the gym or maybe I'll just sack the gym and maybe I'll go and get lunch with a friend and it's just like, the fact that you can do that is such a blessing. And to be honest, I know that I'm leaving uni self-employed, so that doesn't really change. So I don't really know why I'm freaking out so much about it. But I guess it's not that part of it that I'm freaking out about. It's more the uh, the day-to-day purpose, shall we say. I think I also like learning. I like, I'm a learner. You know, I like reading books. I like, I li- I like having to do the research for these things. And so maybe I'll have to like... I don't know, do some online courses or just make sure I'm always reading a non-fiction book at the same time as my novels. Then I guess the other thing I was kind of referring to when I mentioned chapters coming to an end was obviously going through a breakup. It's so weird because I feel like even when you're with someone and you have two very different lives and two very different... Like we, me and my ex-boyfriend, we didn't share the same, I know his friends and he knows my friends, but we weren't in the same friend group. We didn't go to the same places, well we did sometimes, and do the same activities. So our lives weren't like too intertwined in that way. But that doesn't mean that your identity isn't in some way intertwined with someone when you're in a relationship with them, even if you do very much have your own separate lives, do you know what I mean? And I think pulling yourself away from that identity can take a long time. First you go through the whole grieving process of like grieving this friendship and relationship in your life. Like this person in your life. And then you have to deal with the fact that all these things you had imagined in your head and this way you were going to live essentially. Whether that be... Big things like moving in together, getting married uh, and having kids or whether it just be really small things like day-to-day things that you're excited for and dates you were planning and going on and maybe little holidays you had planned coming up. You've really got to come to terms with the fact that that's not what your life looks like anymore and then get like this new picture of what your life is going to look like which is really hard to see when maybe it's not like the way you necessarily want to see it because ultimately you wanted the relationship to work so it's like really hard to wrap your head around that it's not, oh I don't know and then that's why I think it's so much easier to end up getting back together with someone because you still want to, you still want those life plans you know what I mean, you still want this idea and this imaginary life you had with them so then The prospect of falling back into that is very tempting. It's weird. I feel like every breakup is so, so different. And my previous breakups have been very much like they've come to a very definite end. And I've been very ready for that, if that makes sense. Like the lead up to those breakups happening were inducive of a breakup. Like we both knew it was on the horizon we both knew it was what's best for both of us, we both knew we were going to be happier moving forward. I feel like that's how my breakups have been prior to this, whereas I think this time it's really not been like that. I guess there's just been a lot of reluctance on both sides for it to end. Yeah, I think as a result of that, being reluctant to let things end, you don't want to accept it when they have ended and then You really struggle to see what the future looks like without them. And it starts to make you question like all these what ifs and buts and what if this changed or what if that changed and what if we were able to make this work and that work. Whereas, do you know what I mean? Whereas other times it's just been very much like, no, this is the right thing to do. I don't think that has been the case this time, which has definitely made things a lot harder because you're just constantly questioning yourself and questioning everything around the whole situation and one second you know you're feeling good and you've convinced yourself it's the right thing and you've told yourself it's onwards and upwards and you know you've been shocked at yourself for what you've put up with thus far and then there's other times you catch yourself where you're a mess and you're in floods of tears and you would do anything to get them back in a heartbeat and this like back and forth and like constantly questioning yourself It doesn't let you move on. It doesn't let you reimagine what your life is not going to look like. It doesn't let you enjoy life, basically, moving forward. Like, you're just basically caught in this in-between. It's so stagnant. I just think one of the steps of a breakup and one of the steps of grief is accepting and allowing yourself to move forward. And when you can't accept it, you're just stuck, basically. So that's 100% adding to my self-identity crisis because I'm like, who am I without this person? No, that sounds really, that sounds a lot more dramatic than it is because I know who I am without this person but it's like coming to terms with what you do in, what you do with all this like love that you had to give someone and the time that you had to spend with them and just being there for someone in that way, like, it always makes you, it it gives you a purpose when you know you're someone's first point of call. Does that make sense? And that you know someone is that for you. And not to say that I don't have that now, I have a lot of really amazing friends and family and I'm very blessed in that way. But it's weird that it's now not that person, I don't know. And look, when I'm saying these things out loud, I know the answer to them. I know that that love can be given to friends and family. I know that that time can be invested into myself and into my relationships. But it just feels weird when you're not ready for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you came out of a relationship because you were annoyed at the fact that you didn't have time for your friends and you didn't have time for yourself and you were so excited to know be single and to have that time, then... You'd be absolutely loving the fact that you had all this time and energy and love to give to other people but I think when you come out of a relationship and it wasn't because of that, it was because of other things and there's a reluctance to then move on to this single life, it's like, oh but what if I don't want to do that? And then the thing is when I get into this headspace where I'm having a full identity crisis... Wait, I just realised I was calling it a self-identity crisis. You can just say identity crisis, can't you? Fuck's sake. (laughs) Anyway, when I get into this headspace of having an identity crisis due to other things, then I start to really question absolutely everything. So see, because my skin's been really bad recently, now I'm being like, is it because I'm vegan? And now I'm freaking out that what if I have to one day not be vegan and that's something... Maybe I've got a deficiency in something... And that maybe I'll have to stop being vegan. And then what if I have to stop being vegan? And then that's so inter- intertwined with my identity. What would I do then? I don't know what I would do if I couldn't call myself vegan. And then because I've been thinking that way, it's been really playing on me every time I'm in the company of people eating non-vegan stuff. I'm like, should I be eating that? <laughs> this is sounds this so bad. But I'm really like, it really makes me question everything. Like I've been really thinking about eating eggs and fish recently right I hate eggs and fish just gonna put that out there I strongly dislike them I hate the smell of them I hate the texture of them I hate the thought of them going into my body like I think I would have one bite of either of those things and projectile vomit but for some reason because I've got it into my head now that what if I can't identify as vegan and I have to eat these things then now because they're stuck in my head when I see people eating eggs I'm like should I eat eggs (laughs) I'm like a crazy person right now and sorry just to clarify not that I think there's anything wrong with going from vegan to not being vegan I follow a lot of people that have actually done that like loads of people that kind of were the original people that I followed that were vegan aren't vegan anymore which is really weird to see when that was like the person that you were kind of Not looking up to, but you you know, they were a bit of an inspiration in the vegan world to you. And then it's like weird to see them not being vegan. So there's nothing wrong with that. And everyone has their own reasons for whatever diet that they eat. I'm not judgmental of anyone's diet. But I just know that for me, it would honestly eat away at me. I think I would genuinely cry myself to sleep if I just decided one day to eat fish. Although, you know what? I say that today. Who knows? Maybe in a year's time I'll be like... I've gone back to eating eggs. Who knows, you can't tell what the future holds. Just because this is my mindset now doesn't mean you can't change. Like, if I look back on podcasts that I spoke on two years ago and listen to my thoughts and views on them then, they're probably so different to now. I'd probably be so cringed out. Like, you're always constantly changing your opinion on things and you have to be allowed to do that. There has to be room for you to learn and for you to grow. Anyway, I actually think the root of that issue is just my skin, and the root of the skin issue was the chocolate, so I think once we, you know, get a hold on that, I don't think I'll be so hyper-fixated on the fact that maybe I'll have to eat eggs and fish, I think that's just a bit of a intrusive thought for the time being, while my skin is not looking the best. This is also so minor and, like, really not hugely relevant to this whole situation, but any fellow... like fake blondes will fail me. You'll know where I'm coming from. You know, when you start getting dark roots, when you start getting dark roots, actually at the beginning, it's fine. And in fact, I actually like a little bit of a dark root, especially if you've got dark eyebrows and stuff. Sometimes like blonde to the root can be a bit much for me. However, once it gets past a certain point, I don't know what it is, but I genuinely don't feel like myself. Like, I look in the mirror every day and I'm like, no, it's just not me until I get my blonde back. Which is such a bad way to think. Like, it's so bad to be trapped in this. Because then I only am feeling myself. I'm only feeling good in myself. I'm only feeling like myself when I've got my fresh bleach done. How bad is that? I've been using the hair oils that have been going crazy on TikTok You know, the hair syrup ones. I've been using them, not because I particularly want my hair to grow really long or want it to be thicker, but more just for general hair health. But as a result, it has been growing a lot quicker. And obviously, that's a great thing. It means my hair is being nourished. It's being healthy. But obviously, with that, when you're a fake blonde, comes roots quicker which is an absolute pain in the arse and cost me a fortune. Oh, the amount of money I spend on bleaching my hair is actually not okay. And now I think I'm going to have to do it more often because of these oils. Maybe I should just stop in the oils. But then I feel like they're really good for your hair, Um, especially for bleached hair. No, do you know what the issue is? I need to work on loving myself with a bit of a root. Like, come on. Surely I've got that in me to be able to still love myself equally when my bleach is freshly done as to when it's grown out. That's really not a huge ask. Anyway, a combination of all of these things, all of the above, are just making me feel like I don't have a fucking clue who I am or what's going on or where life is taking me. I really struggle with envisioning my life in five years' time. You know the way people have these like five-year plans and ten-year plans? I've never been the type of person to have that. I have no idea. I can't even picture what my life will look like a year from now, let alone five years from now. But that's okay. I don't think you need to know what your life looks like in five years' time or you need to have a... I don't even think you need to have a rough plan. But I think maybe what I need to do to cross this kind of feeling that I'm feeling right now to get through this hurdle is maybe just sitting down with myself and getting a little bit more clear about what direction I want to go in and that doesn't need to be a direction for the next five years it can just be a direction for the next six months it doesn't even have to be as long as six months actually but maybe just getting a bit more clear about like my values and my priorities what makes me feel happy and fulfilled and how I can implement more of that Maybe if I do have little goals and things I want to achieve, write them down and write steps on how I can get to them because I think a lot of time we have these goals and have these ideas in our head, but it's like, but what are we actually doing to get there that makes it not seem like this far-off, unachievable goal? Your girl's got a lot of journaling to do. I haven't actually journaled in a while. I really need to sit down and do some... I need to get straight with myself. I've just been, like, avoiding... Doing any of that shit. I've just been listening to podcasts, I've been watching TV, watching YouTube, drowning out any silence, and not sitting down with myself and doing stuff like this, which is probably kind of essential when you're going through a bit of an identity crisis, I would say. I don't feel like it's something you can just passively get out of. Maybe you can, but I don't think you'd feel much better at the other side of it if you didn't like put in that work whereas I guess if you do sit down with yourself and be honest with yourself and you know get clear about where you're going and what you want to do then maybe you'll come out the other side with a lot of clarity and just feeling a lot better and more sure of who you are and where you're going and what your priorities are I don't know I don't really know what the purpose of this podcast was today because to be honest I don't really feel like I've given you much concrete advice or productive ways of moving forward with this. I think I've just been spilling my thoughts with you and telling you where my head is at. And I guess just normalising the conversation, maybe. I don't think it's crazy to feel this way, but I think because it's all because life and all these things and these thoughts are all so overwhelming, it can feel a bit too much to sit down and voice all these things to someone without actually feeling like you sound like you have lost your marbles (laughs) but yeah that's it for this week's episode I hope you guys enjoyed it as always thank you all so much for your continued love and support it really means the world to me if you get a chance to leave me a little five-star review on Spotify or Apple podcast please do so share the episode on your instagram story spread the hear for the crack word you can also follow me on spotify and turn on the little bell thing and then you'll get notifications every time there's a new episode i love you guys so much and i will speak to you next week bye